As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that thinks um, you can still be a fan if you have a Twitter account. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks, do some other stuff. We've got a what I view as a fun pod. I think it's in our pod universe, but I, I think one thing about 77 Minutes and usually recording with Mike Pellucci or Dave Dufour or some combination thereof. So we can get very big picture and we can get very maybe away from the pulse of the fan, if you will. And so I wanted to do a fan focused podcast. Um, you guys know Austin Guria. You're I would describe you, Austin, as kind of right in the middle where you have media and blogging and credential journalist background of sort, but still a fan first. Uh, you know, is, is that fair? I think it's fair. I think I'm, yeah. a, I'm a fan of art. Yeah, you you kind of split the two, and then and then to be the voice, the singular voice of the fans. No pressure. We've got uh we've got Tomas, uh, who you might know as Reddit Mavericks, and you know what? I want I just want full throated fandom from you, Tomas. <laughs> How does that sound? Uh it could have been a word a little bit better, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I, this is why I'm a writer, not a, uh, not a talker. Um, I have editors for a reason. So I just want to start by asking, as we are almost 30 games into the season, well over a quarter mark, what did you guys feel coming into the season? about expectations, about excitement, you know, really just your emotional level starting a new year with Luca um, and, a, and a coaching staff, some roster tweaks we probably thought would be more effective than they have played out. Um, I, I would say, give me one word, but nobody has ever, no question that's like, give me one word for this has ever been answered with one word. So give me like a sentence on your emotional feelings headed into the year. Um 
And then where are you at now? We'll start with uh, the voice. Go ahead, Reddit Mavs. Um, <laughs> oh man, a sentence. I could. I have an entire like speech in my head. Uh, honestly, man, like coming into the season, I thought, okay, you know, new coaching staff, new front office, supposedly, um, a few new players. Like you know, we addition, you know, addition by subtraction, a couple guys. Um, I was like, cool. Like you know, we're gonna be uh you know, top four, probably four, you know, like kind of right there and there. Um, thought Luca would, you know, hit a, a notch above what he's doing. I thought KP would rise. Um, Jalen would rise, you know. Um, I thought Tim would be more flamethrower Tim throughout the season. Um, you know, I thought the new guys uh, coming out, I thought Reggie Bullock was going to be, you know, just one of those guys just like just torches the league. Um so what you're describing is optimism and excitement, yeah, optimism, right? Yeah, optimism is excitement, you know? You know, okay, like, you know, like, Rick's gone, okay, cool, like, Donnie's gone, whatever, like, cool, you know, new new way of looking at things. Um, that's what I thought. Uh, now that it's been about, you know, a little under 30, 30 games a season, um, I don't know, man. I think it's for the first time since I took over the account that I'm feeling, okay, maybe it's not, you know, where I want to be, like... I've de- this is the first year where I've gotten like actually pushed back on things that I, like my bits and I'm like, oh shit, people are actually kind of mad, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> so I'm like, so I'm like, okay, cool, like you know, and I'm very much like, whatever the fans want, you know, like I'll, you know, kind of go kind of in that direction. So it hasn't been as fun this year, um, you know, just it hasn't been fun, you know. It's been more of a slog than anything for most of these games, more than not. So. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, me and Mike uh, and Dave on this podcast so often talk about, you know, that we haven't learned anything this season. It's been a, it's been a tough season to draw analysis from, but you know, that's really where we're focused is big picture analysis of where this team is headed. And, you know, it's still our, you know, collectively it is our jobs to cover this team. And so, so we're coming from it from a different perspective, whereas, you know, uh, you know, any frustration or or the, the the feeling of it being a slog is more like I want to see data points that I can use to better understand this team. Whereas Austin, like for you guys, uh, for fans from the fan perspective, it's it's really focused around like having to watch it. Like like these games are not work. These games are supposed to be the the decompression after work, uh, quite literally, and. They're supposed to be the the couple hours each day where you can let your emotions swing one way or the other. Uh, but it feels like there hasn't been a lot of swinging of emotions. They've been pretty rooted in one place, and that one place has been uh, a resounding meh. Yeah, I, w- I would say my initial uh, thoughts to this season, or my where I was, I was, I was, I was curious. I was like curious. There's a new New coach, new front office, um, same core essentially, and we were just kind of swapping out Josh Richardson for Reggie Bullock. But I was like, Carl has been here for ten years. I we've all seen his offense for ten years. I, you can sometimes just recognize plays as they're running them. They play kind of the same way. You kind of know exactly. He's also very just rigid, very just like much in his routine. Uh, and so it was. So you kind of knew the ebbs and flows of every game and how he would react to things and how he would adjust and. Not to say he was predictable, but he was. There was something that you could really rely on when you watched a Carlo coach team. Um, so I was really curious to see what kid brought 
um, to the team and how he changed people's roles and especially with specifically with KP and how, how he was going to play. I think at this point in the season, I would be at kind of just that resignation, just where I'm like, I, I can see the, I can see where the team can be great, but also the day to day of getting through the, this early part of the season has been a bit of a slog just be, just because some of the injuries. And then also when Luca's not at peak Luca, this team really can't go where it wants to go. And it's not as fun on a day to day basis um, as I thought it would be. But on the other end, it's, it's kind of been funny in that, like, <laughs> I think if you ask the players if they were having more fun this year or last year, those guys are, they're having a blast. They're, they seem like they're having a lot of fun. Like, they seem to actually really like each other. They're actually really enjoying basketball. And I don't think I could say that about the team the last two or three years. So it's kind of funny to kind of see the, the symmetry between the fan base and the actual players where the fan base has been kind of just in just purgatory for the entire season. But the players look like, even though it's been a struggle and they haven't really performed where they want to be, they look, for the most part, really happy. Porzingis is probably the best example of that. Someone who yeah. clearly, clearly did not feel valued and was frustrated on the court a lot of the time last season. And, you know, he's taking losses. I, I see I see him after losses, talk after losses. He's not happy uh, about the losses, but generally the demeanor has has clearly ticked up. Stay, stay on, stay on Luca for a little bit. Uh, I want to, I want to ask you. You know, you brought him up, and you brought him. You know, when he's not peak Luca, just, just in terms of a, of a Luca watcher, uh, what's, what, what sort of joy do you get from him, and how does that compare to, you know, the past couple seasons where, uh, you know, the, the past two were, were really in a lot of ways a, the, the honeymoon phase of realizing this is going to be a generational talent, and, and that none of that has changed by any means. But I don't know if the joy is is quite there for a lot of reasons we've talked about. Um, but just just strictly from a watching standpoint, uh, what's what's the the twenty or so games he's played been like to uh, to consume as a fan? I think uh, it's funny because with Luca, I can tell basically like after like a first quarter, is this going to be a good Luca game or a bad Luca game? You can kind of tell what kind of mood he's in uh, if he's really feeling into the game and. It's pretty obvious, like, especially if calls don't start going his way, he starts getting mad, he starts getting frustrated, he really starts to force things, and that's when games become just, it kind of becomes unfun for everybody else. Everyone who's watching, even the players, it kind of, it, his mood affects the entire game, but you can also tell, like, when he comes out and he's really just, he, his legs are good and he's hitting, especially if he comes out and he hits a couple threes, um, that that game is going to be great for them. But I think in the past where there were a lot of games where, he was just in a great mood and he was hitting a lot of threes and they would have, they would have a lot of like first halves where they would have 65, 70 points. You know, the, it was funny like that they scored 70 points against in the first half against Charlotte yesterday. And that, that used to happen quite often with their offense. And you could really see when he's just kicking into high gear and people hitting shots, um, that joy really comes through. And I think that's been, that hasn't really been the case this season for most games with him. I think it's been, it's been harder. Basketball has been harder for him this year than I think at any point in his career. Um, he has been able to get in the lane. You can see with his like, statistics, he's, he's not getting the room quite nearly as much. He's not going to free throw as much. His shooting is kind of equalized, but you can kind of tell that I think he's been playing a lot of basketball for a long time. And it's, it's really funny. He played the most meaningful basketball of his entire life this summer between that, that Clipper series. And then, the entire qualifying run with Slovenia and then the Olympics, 
literally every game he played for three months was do or die, the most important basketball game he's played in his life. And then you can kind of tell now he knows it's not do or die every game. So it's not, he's not bringing the same level of focus or intensity. And I think he got a little bit out of shape. Um, but it's so funny. Even his baseline, even bad Luka games are like career high games for most NBA players. So he's, he's still been good on the average, but he hasn't been really where I think we would expect your for Luka to be. And the team and the mojo of the team, I think kind of goes as Luka goes. Tomas, like half your half your tweets are about Luca. You know, half of you know that's that's so much of Reddit Mavericks. Um, you know, he's Miho. He's Miho, yeah. and and yet I, I think you know I think a tone I've I've seen from you, and and again I'm I'm using you and your Twitter and, and the way you tweet as a almost a barometer because I feel like this is something that's ex- is expressed throughout a lot of Mavericks Twitter. And you're an even better person to ask about this because you have even, you know, you see even more of the replies and you tweet even more and you have more fans who are coming to you. I, I feel a sense of of um, uh, of fans looking at Luca and being like, at this point in your career, at, like we expect more from you because we know we know we know we should expect it. Like we, you know, it's it's not it's not even disappointment. It's just like, you know, it's like you're not as good as as we know you can be, and we want you to be that, but you haven't quite been that. Even even as it's interspersed with moments of brilliant magic, joy, all of those things. Yeah. I mean, I compare it to like me being a teenager and my mom being like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, like, why are you doing this? You should be doing this, you know, stuff like that. Um, and now that I'm a father in real life, it's like, oh shit. <laughs> like, you know, these are things I have to look forward to in the future. But um, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like it's all because like, if you go to like even like NBA Reddit, like the actual subreddit, and you see like, you've seen the heel turns for like different players. Like last year before Giannis won the ring, like half the, half the posts were about, you know, Giannis just like not being able to do it. And it's like, dude, he's like 25. <laughs> like, you know, like he's a young dude or like even before you back in the day, like James Harden, KD, all these guys are just like, they're young at one point And now they're not, you know, now they're actually like in the throes of like their, their, um their peaks, you know, it's like, okay, like we expect more out of you now, you know? Um, and I feel like, because I, like, I do see like glimpses of like other, other, uh, NBA teams, Twitter, like feeds where I'm like, I follow a few nuts fans. I follow a few, you know, some of these and I'm just like, and I think as Mavs fans, it's like, you know, we went from like Twitter wasn't really big whenever like Dirk was in his twilight years, you know, like, like after 2011, like, and like Mavs Twitter wasn't really a thing until maybe like 2015, 2016 at that point, like. You know, like we were, most of us were just like fighting, you know, Rockets fans and stuff like that. Um, but now with like with Luca, it's been, it's been like weird kind of seeing, kind of almost seeing that heel turn from Mavs Twitter where it's like, hey man, like we do expect more out of you. Like I don't, I, I've seen posts where it's like, hey, like we should trade them. And I'm like, I'm not going to ratio you, but like this is crazy like why would you post this like is it for attention yeah who would do something like that yeah like like why are you why are you posting this um and i would call out the people i remember their ads but um this type of person i am but uh um i just like i don't know like we do expect more and i think it's it's almost unfair because he is what 22 like turning 23 and it's like it's he's in in such a weird predicament because he's been playing professional basketball since he was like 16 so he has all that time, like actually being an MB, like actually being like a professional, getting paid, 
you know, getting paid for a player. And it's like, okay, like at this point, like, you know, maybe you should like be act like someone who's like 27, 28, 29, who has been around, you know, who has, you know, and um, me personally, I never try to get like that. Cause I'm like, he's still 22, 23 playing Fortnite, like, you know, or whatever, you know, call of duty, whatever. And I'm just like, like when I was 22, 23, like, you know, I was at, you know, I was at the bars in Denton, you know, getting absolutely trashed. Like who might've judged this dude, you know, dude, for dude, basically this, this, a- <laughs> this, this very off season, I, I took all of September off because I was burning out yeah. of, because this, this, the, the way that COVID has affected things is that it, it has been nonstop. There have been people who've told me in, you know, in media, in, in front offices, agents all around the league, people are telling me, you know, it really feels like three seasons all back to back to back with the way that the bubble worked with the short, the very short off season. Uh, and then the short off season this, this past summer, uh, I have a lot of sympathy for, for Luca and, like I totally get it. Like th- this dude might have just burnt out if he spent those three weeks, um, you know, just, just just continuing to grind after the the continuation of his season with the Olympics. And like that's that's a that's a really tough. We're not a you know I, I've I've been very careful to never make what I write or what I tweet or this podcast like a Luca weight podcast. I don't really care about that. I care in the context of how he is on the court, what he's doing, whether his his rim number, you know, his his attempts at the rim are declining. I care in that context. I don't care what he weighs and and obviously he's admitted to, you know, maybe he relaxed too much. Like he is obviously, you know, over the weight that would be ideal. But but yeah, you know, that's 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 just a 45 second monologue on, you know, just the just the uh, the understanding that Luca hit this stardom and hit this uh this burden of of the, the expectations that he's carrying for this team so much sooner than almost any other star we've seen in in the past uh couple decades and i i i think that there is both room for accountability and room for sympathy and spe- and, and more specifically what i'm trying to get at is room for understanding of how the past couple years have specifically made uh, life even more challenging um, for him to be a professional athlete and, and for him to follow these stringent guidelines and follow these very uh, stringent, um, you know, expectations that he, that he, that he has. And, you know, if, if, if COVID had never happened, if we were not dealing with a pandemic, I, I think this would be much less of a story and, and, and everything just, you know, came together in a, in a, in a storm to, you know, make Luca playing the, you know, he's, he's playing the way he is. And I, but I, I think all those factors have, have worsened it. Let's, let's do Austin. Do you have any, do you have any closing thoughts on that? Because I want to jump to something more fun, but I want to make sure we, the, the, the only thought I have on it is that obviously he's not in the tip top shape, but he didn't really have the time to, to get into tip top shape. And I would say that there is a, he has a really good precedent for setting like with the bubble when they had five months off before the bubble, he came into the bubble in incredible shape. He was right. Like that was the best shape he's ever been in his entire life. And he had a lot of time and he really took his body seriously. That 19 so, season, he also started in really good shape. Yeah. Like the two and times so, where he's had a normal proper, normal. you know, the bubble wasn't normal, but he had an expected normal run up to begin yeah. games again. The two times that's been relatively normal for him. He's been totally fine. Yeah, and so I think next season he'll he'll come in like in the best shape of his life, and there'll be a bunch of best shape of his life stories about Luca and how he just like did a whole bunch of special trainings. I think that will be the huge narrative before 
for preseason of next year. So I'm not super, super worried. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Tomas, this question is kind of about you, but you're too close to it to actually ask you. Austin, did Reddit Mavericks specifically cause Moses Brown to do what he's done over the past week? Well, yeah, he has a, he has a back channel with Jason Kidd. I mean, like he, they DM all the time. <laughs> he's... I think he's the, actually the shadow coach of, of the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> that sounds like total bullshit. Uh, it, it is. It has been a lot of. It's been fun to see the the Moses uh, excitement and outpouring of support. Everybody being like, just put him in the rotation, just play him. How could he be worse than insert big man here? And then he finally gets in and. I unfortunately am the the buzzkill, and I'm I, I like I'm someone out here not sure you should even play against the Lakers. He, with Luca confirmed out that that was we're recording Tuesday night, and that was confirmed a little earlier today that he's not going to play against the Lakers. Yeah, I think you keep him in the rotation because of that. Uh, generally, I, I think that he's best used in the examples and of the games that were just played, where you know we know he can beat up on g league individuals you know essentially you know like against the thunder or you know when when a team is playing 5 and 7 or about to be 6 6 games and 8 nights you do need energetic players like that uh but what even even before he started playing what made mavericks fans latch on to him as a as a character and as a <laughs> as just a as a cult uh favorite uh would you would you say tomas so I will say that um, my close personal friend Squish41 was like kind of like the guy kind of being like, let's get this guy going. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, literally, he would text me and be like, dude, like, we got to get this guy a minute. So I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, clearly, you're paying more attention than I am at the moment. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think, especially like when I like thinking about me, you know, the past players that I've just been like, I just latch on to like. 
like even like before even like you know Roddy B and like these players that like just show great potential I think potential is almost like the great equalizer where it's just like hey like just the potential somebody like makes me like believe in them you know where it's It's, like it sounded like you're about to be like potential is the mind killer and just drop some just drop some knowledge on us but uh no no but like you know you know like you know like moses brown he's a big dude you know obviously like pull down crazy numbers for a really crappy shitty oklahoma city team um which is still you know a very shitty oklahoma city team but um you know like i just feel like you know you saw that and then like i just had you know people sending me like like when we traded for him, which I mean, he was kind of a throw-in on that Jay Rich trade. Like, I, like they didn't want him. Like, you know, Boston didn't want him. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, so we got this guy, <laughs> and uh, like literally, like that happens. And I'm literally at the store. I'm, I'm at the store doing groceries, and Squish texts me like, like a 15 minute video of like just highlights. I'm like, how do you already have this ready? He's like, these are one of the guys that I wanted, and I'm like, that's so weird. You wanted a G League dude, you know? That's like. Yeah, he's seven two. Like, yeah, we call him like the kaiju crack and whatever, like on Twitter. But it's just like, okay, like, why did you send this to me? And uh, you know, I'm happy he's getting minutes. Like, for me, like he was always going to be like, I was like, okay, maybe ten minutes off the bench, maybe fifteen minutes off the bench. Like, just throw him in when like there's just a big body. You need a big body just to try to grab boards or try to give some some more um more energy. Um, but I'm happy for it. But like, it's like I know someone on. I know again, I keep referring to Twitter, but someone on Twitter was like, oh, like, you guys wanted this guy to start. And it's like, no, I didn't. I didn't want him to start. I don't know who said you wanted to start. I just want to get 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes here. Like, just, uh, you know, have, give us, basically give his spot against, uh, give his, give give someone else's spot his, basically, you know, the 10, 15 minutes. Just see what happens, just to see what happens, you know. Um, he's done really good against these teams that have, you know, have had, or either just naturally bad or have had, you know, injuries and, you know, COVID protocols and stuff happened to him, so um does he say in rotation tomorrow uh, i kind of hope so just because that's a national tv game and i'm just like i just want to see the world see moses brown for what he is <laughs> just a, a guy who can get 10 minutes and just uh you know grab eight boards and you know get nine nine points like somehow go like what like six for five six for seven from the from uh from the free throw line somehow um and i know like even like the Texas Legends Twitter will at me and be like, hey, look at this. And I'm like, because one time I made fun of his uh, free throw form. And so when he went like... It's a little wonky. Yeah. And so a little, like a couple days ago when he went like six or seven, like they added me like, hey, look at this. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I just had to talk shit about... I, I, I talked shit about every player at one point. <laughs> like, you know, it just is what it is. But yeah, um, I'm excited. I, you know, I'm happy for him. Again, I don't think he's ever going to be more than a 10, 15 minute dude on any team really unless it's a shitty team like oklahoma city so yeah what's what's kaiju in reference to again apologies for uh, not being hit Kai, kaiju is a <laughs> so like godzilla like japanese monsters okay like just that's giant right. monsters yeah yeah does so. do, you, do you think like uh building building a meme and a meme identity around a player kind of like there was already a groundswell clearly uh, yeah, but like it's almost like a like a snowball going down the hill that turns into an avalanche. Like the more that you have just references you can make and and yeah, you know yeah. funny jokes you can talk. Like I think online, at least in the online community, that that is how that builds. Yeah, I mean, like for uh, for me, like you know, like I you know, that was, actually that was Squish. Squish was like he's a kaiju, and I was like, you don't even watch those movies, dude. <laughs> like I do, <laughs> you know. So and uh, no, but like just like that, and I know right now, like some people have been calling uh, Josh Green the Sugar Glider. I have no idea why, um, but I kind of like it. It's a little different. 
Um, I kind of like that too. I haven't. Yeah. That, I missed that one. Yeah, I, 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 I thought. Yeah, yeah. That's a good. It's good. I think it's from Bibbs Corner. It said that. Um, trying to think who else. Uh, you know, Luca has always had. Huh? What does sugar glider mean? What is it's, that? What is that reference? It's it's an animal. It's like an animal. Yeah, it's, it's literally. Like, it looks like a squirrel, but like it can literally glide through the air. Like it's crazy. <laughs> like oh, I don't know great. if they're like I don't know if they're native to Australia or what, but like. Someone added me. She was like, "Oh, he's called the sugar glider." I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Who thought that up? Is like, oh, Bibbs. Okay, cool. Like, I had no idea like where that came from. But uh, yeah, I think like having like meme like memes definitely like build up these players, like players that you might not see a lot of. You know, like like a Josh Green or a Moses or um, maybe even Sterling Brown may down the line may have something going for him or something like that. I don't know. Right. But memes. Do yeah. It, yeah, and <laughs> online communities like every online community that has ever existed this is the history of the internet they build up their own language and they build up their own identity and they build up their own you know in jokes and it, you know it, it's a community like that, that it's in the name it's it's community and it doesn't always have to be logical or it doesn't always have to like uh conform to exactly how what's reality or exactly how the team should be talked about and, and i think that's kind of why i i want to talk uh, touch on mark cuban's tweets about Twitter and fans on Twitter and just the idea that I, I don't know, I, I guess my perception of what he was saying is that, you know, the fans on Twitter are always just, you know, talking shit about the team or they're just saying stuff that's, that's incorrect. And I feel like that's a, like, I feel like he's missing the point of, of what online communities are and the idea that these communities are more passionate about the team just about because they're spending their free time tweeting and, and making jokes and memes and images and videos. Uh, I don't know what that, the, the, was it the Mavs Burner account? Mavs Burner, I don't know. Dude, so good. I don't know where it's, that came from, but that that's is, incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I need to talk to that dude. I, I do too. Legitimately, <laughs> like like somebody tell that dude to DM me. I, like I'd love to ask him about one of those videos he did, the one, the one I quote tweeted. But but like Austin, Austin, let, let me let me ask you this. Like I I just I don't understand when you see the amount of time and, and visible passion that goes into these communities. I, I just feel like Mark was missing the boat and missing the point of. Uh, the the way that he kind of dismissed it and brushed it aside, and you know this is it was hardly the first time he's done that. I, I remember uh, a quote he gave me. Uh, I think it was the summer of 2019. I wrote about the jerseys and the branding uh, of the team, and his dismissal of why it wasn't something that needed to happen was that it was just a few dudes on Twitter. It's like 50 fans on Twitter, <laughs> and that was his dismissal. Even though I, I genuinely think there is. Uh, you know, some of the people most invested in this team are people who want rebranding. And, and that's just one example. And, and I thought the, the tweets from last week were, were similar. Uh, just, just another example of, of to me, his misunderstanding of, of what these things are. I think it's his way of swinging at low-hanging fruit to avoid really coming to terms with any sort of actual real criticism about management and team building. Because... A lot of the criticism is about how the team is built, the lack of moves, the lack of movement, the missed draft picks. So a lot of them boil down to front office decisions and basketball decisions. And at the end of the day, we all know that Mark Cuban makes the basketball decisions for the Dallas Mavericks. And so for three years, people have been criticizing because they haven't been very good. And so he's taken that very personally, which it is personal because he did make those moves and like he's single-handedly responsible for them. Um, so it's... I think really that um, all of the angst and all of the 
uh, criticism that he lashed out as far as like Mav's Twitter and like online. I think that's really just him trying to bat that down so he doesn't have to really like engage with any sort of actual real criticism of the team. And it's easy to just be like, oh, people are online or people are just saying things they don't know they're talking about and people are just mad and just need to go touch grass outside, which maybe some people do, but it's, I, I think he, he struggles to really like come to grips with that kind of level of like basketball criticism. And it's, it's hard for him to really just kind of engage with that in a really true and authentic way. Tomas, what did, what did you, what did you perceive the overall uh, reaction from Twitter users was that day and the, the following day? as they processed Mark's tweets and, you know, from what I saw, were pretty widely critical of them. Yeah. So it's interesting. Cause he, he didn't call it maps Twitter in general. He called it NBA Twitter, which I mean, at this point, like I'm an old, old person, NBA Twitter. Um, you know, anyone of anyone who's over like 21, 22 usually is, <laughs> but I think in particular for maps, Twitter, um, super unfounded. Like it's just weird. Like I like, so like I would say, like some of these, the, some of the people that he, you know, inadvertently like subtweeted, you know, um, are some of our biggest supporters. Like we have people from across the world who will get up at four in the morning, you know, watch a, pro- not maybe not that good maths team, you know, like stay up until six, like have to go to work at seven, you know, whatever, like for this te- for this team, it's just like, why are you? like almost alien, like alienating like that, you know, th- those fans who are just diehards who like, who like come on to Twitter, like at any time in the moment, just, they want to connect with other fans, you know, like that's part of the reason why I like took over the account a long time ago, which is because, Hey, like, you know, like these are fans, like obviously we're in like kind of down years. Like, let me just try to bring bring some positivity, levativity to like, you know, to the, to the, to the Twitter space. And it's like, I think that, I mean, obviously, freedom of speech or whatever, but, like, just, like, we have a right to, like, be critical, you know, when things aren't going a good way, you know, like, like, there are rumblings, like, even after, like, getting Luca, like, there, there are rumblings, you know, like, we've had more or less the same roster, you know, for the last, you know, three, four years, and, you know, like, I saw a tweet where it was, like, um, you know, uh, at, at Grizzlies game that we lost, it was, like, 87 to 65, and, like, two of the guys, two of the guys on that roster 2016 were starters for us against the Grizzlies a couple weeks ago. And it's like, what, the, like, like, how does that happen? You know, like, I, like, and like as a, and a, on a human level, like I love the guys, you know, like, as, as guy, you know, as, but like as actual like person who's gets kind of competitive about NBA games. And it's like, Hey man, like maybe like, you know, some guys should, you know, maybe go somewhere else, you know, um, or should have reduced minutes or something, reduced, reduced, uh, reduced uh, roles. But I think, like kind of going back to the question, um, you know, Mark's, Mark's remarks were, uh, sorry, it's a dad joke. I can make those now apparently, but, uh, <laughs> Mark's remarks were, um, they were, they're just, just weird. Like, you know, like it almost felt like a guy who just like, you know, got on Twitter and was like, Oh crap, people are talking about me. Let me just like burn the entire place down. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, you've seen that tweet where it's like the main goal of Twitter is to never be the main character that day. Like right. the guy literally put like the spotlight on him for that moment. And was like, like that you got ratioed, which is like obviously the stupidest thing on Twitter, but it's like, dude, you, you know, got quote tweeted, just responded to like, you know, like 
just don't alienate your fans. You know, like I think I could, personally, if I was someone who owned an NBA team, I would never be on Twitter. I would literally have someone just main my Twitter account. You know, I would I, 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 like Mark, you can hire me. You know, like just let, let someone man the let someone take over the NBA, your Twitter account and just like I would just literally go on an island somewhere and just hang out. You know, and just write the checks or whatever like whatever like as much as little um like as little responsibility i need to do in order to keep the team afloat basically like which basically means hey like nico harrison you know here you go here's the job like do what you need to do like use those connections because you worked for nike for however many years you know or you know like jason kidd and like the rest of the coaching staff like here's the players that nico harrison got you do this you know like I, Josh Bo, Josh Bo from Maz Moneybot said something to the effect of, "If I were a billionaire and I was mad online, I would like simply fly to Paris and enjoy a quality of yeah. life that's ninety nine point nine percent better than any human could ever, you know, dream yeah. of, of having." You know? Yeah, you know, it's like something like that. Just like, just like, just I don't know, man. It's just it. It really irks me. I, I, I got to the point where like, like it had been like thirteen, fourteen hours, and I hadn't talked about it yet because I was just like, I don't even want to deal with it. And then I got like five or six DMs being like, what do you think about this? And I was like, damn it. Okay. Like I'll go ahead and like have my little tweet and pit mute and just like leave it alone. Like just like, I'm not even gonna deal with it. Like I'm not sure if Mark still reads my tweets, uh, you know, he's probably not happy with me, but it is what it is. It's Twitter. So everybody's either mad line or whatever. So Yeah. And the way the online community talks about the Mavericks, yeah, it is probably different than, say, the majority of season ticket holders, um, who Mark definitely also interacts with. And to be very clear, that's not me saying that season ticket holders need need to be out here, you know, tweeting Moses Brown memes or or saying, Mark, how dare this roster not change in three years. Um, but it is me saying that just because one segment of the fan base that is clearly just as passionate uh, as somebody who attends all 41 home games, like, like pa- passion varies and, and it, it represents itself in different ways. But that doesn't mean that, you know, if you're a European waking up at 3 a.m. to watch Mavs games, like you are just as passionate as someone who goes to the American Airlines Center on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday to me. And I think that, I don't think that should be, you know, really a disputed point. And, and just because that segment of the community talks differently, and has different voices, different opinions about the Mavericks does not mean that uh, they're any less valid than, you know, what Mark might hear about a from a different segment or a different fan base. And maybe maybe they're way more critical than I think. But, um, you know, I think just in, in broad strokes, that's that's probably um, why it's easier to dismiss it, because it does sound different than a lot of what Mark hears from. You know, people who are bona, you know, have their bona fides and and have their years and years with the team, rather than just one person behind a Twitter who, you know, maybe created it um, like their account a month ago. Um, but but I think just in terms of what passion is and how it represents itself, I, I just think it's really important that you know we we see online communities and, and people who engage in them as equally able to be passionate fans who deeply care about the team. And when they are critical, it is out of that passion and out of that fandom. Do you have any closing thoughts, Austin? I, I think we're, we can just about wrap this up, but I'm just curious yeah. if, if you have I, anything to. Yeah, I think it's just, um, I think for Mark, it's, 
the Mavericks are, it's a very personal business for him. And he obviously talks to a lot of people who really love the team. And there are obviously a lot of fans out there who just love Maverick basketball and just want to come up and come to games. And so it's kind of weird to like dissect what maybe like 75 people online are saying um, compared to an entire group of people. So it's obviously it's a different sample size, but those people were really watching games every day. And I think it's just, it's just a little strange that (laughs) there's so much awareness of what is going on online. And then that they also like communicate how aware they are of online. Cause it's like, even kid mentions like online fans, like in press conferences and like the Twitter, like it's, it's kind of like all the way down in the organization and like, you know, it, it is a fun way to like to engage with fans, and there, I don't. I want to say there's a right or wrong way to do that. It's just it's kind of weird that it feels like there's some sort of like symbiotic effect between what happens online with a few people who are fans of the game and what people in the organization think about the it, team. It's really easy to punch down online, and as someone who has some Twitter followers, I really, really make an effort not to do that. But it's yeah. absolutely really easy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, it, def- it definitely is. Yeah. Well, I think we've all learned a little bit. I I found this quite illuminating. And just to end it, you know, you guys have described the the season as a bit of a slog, you know, certainly disappointing in some ways, expecting more from others. Y'all are going to watch just about every single damn game the rest of the year, right? Yeah, I'm I'm bound by an ancient curse that makes me Mm -hmm. watch every single one. I watch Kyle Collinsworth play lots of games and start. (laughs) That's... (laughs) <laughs> this is not nearly yeah. as bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, no. it's, it really isn't. But just like, damn. <laughs> this is this is this is the uh, the genesis of your traumas. Yeah, I'm sorry. No slight to Kyle Collinsworth. He didn't deserve that stray, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick Persino. Um, oh man, Nick oh, we're not going to slander Nicholas Persino. That was a our, one of the kings of Argentina who played for us. He won them a game. He won them a game one time. I, I just I did, did man. <laughs> He subbed, he subbed in in the third quarter, and he had, like, 10 points in a seven-minute run out and swung a 10-point deficit to an even, uh, like, a tie game, and, and the vets took it home from there. But there was just no energy, and there was, like, the second night of a back-to-back. I might have been um, drunk that night. I don't remember. <laughs> Love that. That was a season to get drunk a lot. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if you're going to slander someone, you should have gone for, like, Jared Utoff or something. Oh, Jared Utsoff. That was great. Man. The oh, main character from Cape Grips of Wrath. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, I really appreciate you guys hopping on and, and doing this. Uh, I Like I said, I, I feel like I learned something. I feel like this was a an interesting discussion that's just a little slightly, you know, about the court, but not quite on the court. Uh, next week, we'll be back. I think we'll have uh, a few games, the, the Lakers and, and Luka coming back. Uh, so it should probably be the main cast of characters and we'll get back to what is actually happening on the court. Uh, but I really enjoyed being able to do this. Uh, thank you everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Doncic from the home of Trump, how many kids you hit? Don't fight the future, Carl Tart. Don't fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca.
your four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Oh! Oh! Shut it down. Oh Let's go home. <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug. Man, that is a wrap. <laughs> Woo!